Welcome to Deep Well Astrology. I'm Allison Disler, a psychological astrologer and somatic educator. And in this podcast, we'll explore how astrology can illuminate our embodied consciousness and nourish our soul. Welcome back to Deep Well Astrology Podcast. We are here at episode 44. And I'm exploring the topic of giving and receiving through the lens of Venus in our natal charts. So for these next several months, uh, among the last of 2022, I'll be exploring these ideas. And we're going to go through each of the Venuses in your natal chart. And we're going to talk about giving and receiving. I approach astrology and the dialogue of astrology between people as deeply psychological which doesn't mean that astrologically entwined events can't occur outside herself or be relevant to things happening that are non-psychological. So I totally get that that also occurs. But what I'm interested in is how we can approach astrology in the psychological dimension. So I am a psychological astrologer. And I think that astrology is fundamentally or at its root, deeply psychological, even if we're just having a dialogue with somebody as an astrologer or as a consultant, we're always bringing that psyche. We're always speaking to the soul of another person, even if we are speaking about astrological events outside the individual. So there's always an element, especially if we're in dialogue with others, in how we're speaking about astrology, it is at a psychological event nonetheless. So I am interested in the correlation between self, psyche, and soma, or body, and also how we are influenced or interconnected with the stars. So it's a living inquiry for me. My background, you may have guessed, is psychology. It's also sociology. I've worked as a doula in the birth community and in yoga. And now in addition to being an astrologer, I'm also a rolfer. So I'm a body worker in private practice. So these things just intertwine for me day to day. I've been fortunate to be up close psychically and physically with many of us humans. And I've also had the fortune to let some of these folks uh, into my life astrologically and somatically. So this is something that I continue to practice, holding that body and holding the body of astrology close together. So all of this to say in Virgo season, my bodywork practice usually picks up every single year. I've noticed that folks flock to body-based practice. Um, a lot of people are tending to their health, wanting to get things in order again. There's a desire to integrate or synthesize or take care of the physical body and to get things in order before the holidays in the Northern Hemisphere or this kind of wintering process that we'll eventually go into. So this, along with the way squirrels are hastening to synthesize and collect and accrue foodstuffs and bolster their nests, reminds me so much of the Virgo season. So I live in the Midwest, United States, so we are having a lot of bird and squirrel and a lot of this energy of harvesting and pulling things together. 
collecting the bounty and attention to health and hygiene and collecting and, and ordering. Last week, I talked on giving and receiving from a Venus and Virgo perspective. And it's really fun to use this topic to go through all of the Venuses in time. Today, Venus is actually in Virgo. It has ingressed there, and we're coming upon a Mercury retrograde period beginning tomorrow, or if you're listening to this, it's it's actually Friday, September 9th. So all aboard the redo, re-edit, and retrograde train. This September's Mercury retrograde will take place in Libra and in Virgo and across that house border. So check out your chart and see what houses do Virgo and Libra occupy for you. Our retrograde period lasts between September 9th and October 2nd. And this is the third period of this year. And to note, we've got our final period beginning on December 29th, so right at the end of the year. So take a minute with the date September 9th through October 2nd or thereabouts. Many of us already have things scheduled or planned. And so compare and notice what's upcoming in the topics of the Virgo and Libra house of your natal chart. So see what you've already got scheduled, then look at your chart and see if any of those things seem to coincide with the themes of the Virgo and Libra house of your natal chart. Can you sense, see, or feel any potential revisiting, reviewing, reconnecting, remembering, or re-editing in those areas of your life? There's a lot of other re-words that you can get into during retrograde periods, so you might start to already feel this flavor. So we're pretty close or already in the beginning of that Mercury retrograde. For me, I've got a travel scheduled during those dates to somewhere I've been many times before to reconnect with old friends and to take a continuing education class in a facility I haven't been in since 2016. So I'm experiencing a total revisiting of a topic, a place, companions, and a building that I've spent a lot of time in in the past. It can be interesting to look at Mercury retrogrades prior to the retrograde and ask consciously what's wanting or needing to be redone, reworked, revisited, or rewired. It's one way to go with the momentum of a retrograde, as well as to give a little space around things like technology and communication. A dose of goodwill or benefit of the doubt can go a long way when things get a little tangled or miscommunicated or slowed down. So it's just really good to notice those. If you are someone who's traveling, give yourself a little extra time. And I I like to develop humor around things, if possible, when they seem to be delayed or go wrong. So giving yourself some extra grace some extra time can be very helpful if you're moving around. So in this week's episode, I'd like to talk on giving and receiving from a Venus and Pisces perspective. One reason that I'm choosing this Venus and Pisces is that Virgo and Pisces are on the same axis line, so the archetypes are interrelated. Astrologically, this axis line is called an opposition, so Virgo and Pisces are in opposition to each other. I view this axis line personally as a sort of pathway of integration. 
For example, if your sun sign is Virgo, the journey to integrate and develop the potential of your Virgo sun includes the embodiment and understanding of Piscean principles. The Piscean principles create a full foundation for the Virgoan development. If we, you know, you know, if you're listening to this, first of all, if that went in one ear and out the other, and that makes no sense at all, just go ahead and let it go. You don't need to know that for this episode whatsoever. In shorter terms, I don't see our sun sign as completed, as a static principle. Like we don't arrive here with, say, a Virgo sun, and that is what we've got. It's a journey. It's a lifelong process of development and integration, no matter what our sun sign is. So this Virgo and Pisces axis, just to keep the example going, if you've got a Virgo sun, there is a journey that embodies the back end of Pisces principles in order to fully develop this Virgo sun through the life journey. So that's why I view that as an axis line. So I sometimes refer to that Virgo Pisces axis as the axis of order and chaos or chaos and order. On the topic of Venus, the planet of what we want and desire, it too can roam or revolve on this axis of chaos and order. Last week, while looking at giving and receiving from the Venus and Virgo perspective, we spoke about themes of organization and service, synthesis and integration. Surprisingly, when we look at Venus and Pisces, there are some similar themes, but on a different level. So let me explain. While Virgo is a mutable earth sign, Pisces is a mutable water sign. The different level or plane has to do with the different elemental. Water is less tangible than earth. Rather than tangibility, it has to do with the intangible. Take water and earth into reflection for a moment. Earth, by its nature, is seen. It's tangible. It's something you can sink into, hold, mold. It is heavy and associated with the container, with materials. Water is changeable and it's fleeting, temperamental. It can stagnate, freeze, or flow. It changes shape and mood. It can be soft or soothing, or it can destroy. It needs to be contained by something, but containment isn't its nature. So back to a key word that both Virgo and Pisces share, service, to be of service. Now, can you sense how earth and water would approach the idea of service differently? I always picture a Virgoan sense of service as things very tangible, like tangible help, carrying groceries, offering practical advice or know-how, fixing something, or help in some kind of earth-based way, a building way, a practical way. Something like occupational therapy. It's tangible. It's real-time help and service. 
When I think of service from a Piscean perspective, I think of a deep, important service that is often intangible and sometimes nonverbal, like giving someone a hug at the right time, or therapeutically or deeply listening to someone in a crisis, or unconditionally loving someone through a difficult time, with a certain quality of presence or an emotional holding or uplifting someone as a mentor or spiritual coach, pastor, or advisor. Now, can you get a sense of how Virgo and Pisces are related, but on a different plane, or different elementally? Therefore, we can learn about these Venuses by both noticing what is complementary and what is divergent. A Venus in Pisces Now, remember, a Venus is fundamentally about what we desire, what we want, what fulfills us. And it also describes something about what we love and often admire in others that we love. Our Venus has the potential of being projected out. When we fall into love with someone else or someone who embodies or represents our personal, sometimes hungry or undernourished Venus potential. We can integrate and take care of this planetary principle by getting to know and understand our evolving desires and by nurturing them to their fruition. It is curious to me culturally, sort of on a side note here, on in what places our desire is downplayed, diminished, or it's kind of put into a category of unsavory. Because the suppression of the Venus principle, I think, has more to do with cultures or ideologies that suppress an important, quote, historically feminine principle of desire and want. And really, that Venus principle is non-gendered. It's non-binary. It's not necessarily a feminine principle. We all have want and desire. So the past seems to have been full of systems of thought that have encourage people to tamp down desire. And there's something important about noticing our relationship with that in ourself and in our teachings and what people have taught us. And if we're choosing, you know, to cultivate ourselves fully, I think it's important to reclaim the Venus principle and our wants and desires and that energy that goes along with it in ourselves. So when we gain an agency and awareness around our personal desire and the power or energy we experience personally, we own and are able to care for ourselves and we're less likely to project that onto someone else. A key word I often associate with the Venus in Pisces is immersion or immersive experiential places. And just, you know, that experience itself, being one with experience. When I think of a Pisces as an archetype, you know, I also think of big bodies of water like oceans or the Great Lakes. If you stand next to or hear a big body of water, it has this ability to take you in, to engulf you. It's immersive. You can get in it. You can observe it from the side or in a boat. And from each of these perspectives, you still get a sense of being encompassed or immersed. So this is that Pisces energy, this this Pisces principle. 
A Venus in Pisces has desire and wants around full, felt, immersive, encompassing, or experiential experiences. To compare it with our Venus in Virgo, who may harbor desire around the tangible, there is something about desiring the intangible, the visceral, the unspeakable, the unnameable, the mysterious, or the divine connection that a Pisces or a Venus in Pisces has. So that compare that a moment with that Venus in Virgo. So there's a different desire there, tangible, intangible. This undescribable, unnameable has gone through time being ascribed names such as the divine or love or the mystery or chaos or the unknown. And all of these words help us understand or at least point towards that certain something, that Piscean or Venus in Pisces realm. Another way to think of Venus in Pisces is this immersive, encompassing, vast desire. You know, one way to think of that is also that wombic connection. So we've all been in a womb. If you have had a child, um, you know that experience from a few different levels. So at one point, we were all encompassed. We were held in water, and we were in an unnameable. We didn't need to name that realm. We just received what we needed to receive. We were at this this level of oneness where everything in our needs were met. We were held and we were one. This wombic memory can help some of us think about that unnameable oneness, that Piscean realm. So flash forward to now. Can you think of situations or circumstances where that sense of oneness or immersion occurs? For some, this is in church or a synagogue or in meditation or chanting, yoga, deep breathing, spiritual union or spiritual practice is a place where some of us experience divine connection. More physically, we see immersion in water, in swimming, hot tubs, hot springs, pools, oceans, becoming one with nature deep in the woods, the desert, or on top of a mountain. Concerts, festivals, art night outs, art installations, places of festive, inclusive, experiential, sometimes chaos, can also facilitate that desire and that want for oneness. So as you can see, or maybe get a sense of a Venus in Pisces has desire around big, felt, sometimes divine, sometimes sensual, and emotional experiences. This desire may also come around love, relationships, and deep connection, immersion with another and physical contact, or co-creation with a group of people or another person such as music playing, poetry, sexuality. So take a moment just to, to marinate in what we have spoke about so far. So marinating is a really good Venus and Pisces kind of terminology. Just let yourself feel into that immersive quality. And I want to name that while a Venus 
in Pisces may not desire that material or the tangible and that may lean towards the experiential and nonverbal, it's not that a Venus in Pisces can't be verbal at all. It's just that I think it's helpful to open up this understanding and possibility that there are many avenues to desire and not all of them are tangible or verbal or logical or in the brain. So when we think of nonverbal desire, I just want us to think about that felt experience and those times that we've had that transcend words or where we don't really need words to fill the space. The Piscean archetype is sometimes also about having a relationship with the unknown or the mystery. So desiring the mystical or that privacy to pursue the quiet or the mystical or the divine. For this reason, there may be some desire for a Venus in Pisces to have space and alone time to marinate and to feel and to take an impression and to allow impressions to wash over them without having to explain or be overly logical or verbal about it. So if you have a Venus in Pisces or you know someone who does, does any of this ring a bell for you? Or do you recognize the desire for immersion, the divine connection or relationship with the mystery, love, or the unknown? And what else holds your deep desire? Is there a craving for that place of mystery, to be alone, to create, to be immersed? So if you kind of spiral back out of that, what do we make of this whole Virgo-Pisces order and chaos axis? Can you get the sense of the axis being kind of one about tangibility versus the intangible? And how this is a journey line. While Virgo is about synthesis, Pisces is more about the immersive unnamed. And in order to have one, you also must have the other. So we're always amidst the process of pulling together and disintegrating, needing to clarify and then being in the unbridled potential, being in the you know known artistic process, the, the end result, and also approaching the blank canvas as the unknown. So if we go back to Earth here, and we're going to get a gift for yourself or make an offering to a Venus in Pisces, what would you do for your own Venus in Pisces or for someone else? So think a moment. What is a place you pleasantly lose yourself in? Or if you're thinking about someone else, have you noticed where do they lose themselves in productively? So where they lose a sense of time and you're just pleasantly immersed in the experience. For children, you'll see this all the time in play with a favorite toy. For adults, this might be dancing in a theater, in a book, at a concert. Now, could you think about getting lost or creating an experience or immersion for yourself or your loved Venus and Pisces? You might have to think about this person or your own preference, you know, whether you like to be in a group or more solo. For some, the gift of an orchestral concert really does the trick, or you could be in an orchestral concert outside under the stars. 
maybe an outdoor movie. Or there's immersive experiences of all kinds that can be found indoors, such as at a theater. Or if you're more quiet, you might think of a monastery or a hiking date to a place of beauty. Nowadays, a lot of towns and cities have First Friday artistic events where you can go around to several different galleries or immersive arts experiences. And there are big cities, places like Denver and Santa Fe and Las Vegas that have larger art immersive museums that you can spend a day or almost more and just going around and being in the experience. Getting lost in time or expanding time or removing time are all really good keywords for a Venus in Pisces. So something like a poetry or a book reading, an event might be a really good gift for yourself or someone else with a Venus in Pisces. You might also think of other places that you can experience the atemporal. I know that some Buddhist monasteries offer Dharma talks that are open to the public, or even going to see someone speak at a TED talk, or another kind of event where you can really emerge or immerse yourself in somebody else's talking might be a really nice outing for a Venus in Pisces. I think and feel what is most connective for a Venus in Pisces is to have the time and space to nurture that interconnection and immersion with the mystery, the unknown, the creative potential, or whatever we want to name it, and just be in that. And if you or someone you know has a Venus in Pisces, you might just notice, uh, are you able to be with them in a place of nonverbalness, just in the beauty of a moment, in a sunset, in a beautiful performance, in a moment of music playing? And, and cultivate space around that and, and allow that non-naming to take you on the journey. Until next time, breathe deep, linger long.